In the beginning, the universe was created. This has made a lot of people very angry and has been widely regarded as a bad move. This show will attempt to find the good, the bad, and the weird, and convey them in a seriously irreverent way. Get ready, adventurer, and as always, we apologize for the inconvenience. Hi, I'm Steven. I'm Aaron. And I'm John. So we are here back this week, uh, and we've got a lot of fun, interesting little things going on here. Um, Yeah, we do. First off is we do have a temporary resident in studio, uh, my cat, Sulu. He's hanging out. Sulu, Sulu. The other thing that we're doing is we're actually live streaming this on Facebook. Um, We've got a little setup here we can see. Oh, we've got got somebody watching. We've got our first viewer. Hi, Mom. Well, Hi, Mom. <laughs> Mom. Um, and this is something we're testing out because we really wanted to find a way to interact with the audience. Oh, and they've already left. We're boring. Um, <laughs> gotta, you got to give it a second here. <laughs> we're going to space. And so this is an interesting way. It's Facebook Live. And so we'll actually be able to see comments and questions. And potentially, you know, if we do this more, I'm sure more people will catch on and right. do it. But we record at random time, so we can't really say... Hey, join us. You know, I guess we could have promoted this in advance because we knew when you were coming. But um, and so today we are joined by. Introduce yourself. Oh, I didn't even bother remembering my name. Huh? No, I do. <laughs> I, I know your name. I'm prepared. Take notes. I know, it's like, I know your name. Do yeah. you know your name? <laughs> yeah, this is a test for uh, you. Not for I didn't know the questions get so hard <laughs> so quick. Uh, I'm Josh McVeigh. I've just moved. Uh, grew up in Oklahoma. Mm-hmm. Just moved back to start a small flat package furniture company called Novello and Steel, um, specializing in record cabinets, credenzas, uh, made out of like high quality materials instead of the particle board um, right. and plastic veneers. Uh, I make it all myself, make and finish it, and just kind of ship it out pretty quick to people. What do you mean by flat package? You're like, that's assemble it yourself? It's ready to assemble. Okay. Uh, flat package is just kind of a I would say kind of a design theory so that, yeah, customers build up themselves, but the beauty is it uh, allows for smaller packaging, mm-hmm. uh, lowers the shipping costs. It, it allows things to be more convenient um, instead of, you know, getting having to wooden crate furniture then having movers like bring them in and then realize your door's too small and nothing fits and it's a huge hassle. So then do you also have to write your own instructions on how to assemble it, slot yeah. A and the slot B, and then people get frustrated and pissed and then throw it away? You know, they don't get as frustrated and pissed as I do when I realized I had to write the instructions. Yeah. Um, Technical yeah, no, it's, writing it's is hard. It is. And it's and it's a lot of work, which is fine. It's very technical. Yeah. Um, That's why it's called it's, technical writing. I would say it's 50% technical and 50% writing. <laughs> like that makes sense. Ballpark, yes. No, it's, um, there's a lot that goes into it on the back end. Designing the furniture to where I can kind of almost mass, or not mass produce, but produce it consistently, mm-hmm. um, using the plywood as efficiently as possible, not getting scrap. Um, and then just down to packaging it and the instructions. It's a so there's a style to your furniture, is there not? Yeah, I mean, that was how I found you actually, I, mm-hmm. and it's interesting enough because you were just in savings and loan with Chelsea yeah. Cope, and I'm pretty sure the place I first heard about you was I saw her sister Rachel post a picture of a desk, and I may be wrong, that she bought from you. Uh, not or, me. No. Okay. Well, maybe I'm getting the person <laughs> wrong, but I feel like somebody. 
I saw a picture of like, oh, I'm so excited. I just got this desk or whatever. And I remembered seeing the name and then mm -hmm. it kind of one of those things that fell out of my brain. I was like, what was the name of that thing? And I don't remember how I found you again. I think maybe Instagram suggested mm -hmm. I follow you or something like that. And I've been pretty, with the studio space here, um, I've been very much aware of furniture lately, more so than I probably have in my yeah, whole life. Because yeah. uh, I'm in desperate need of some things. And I got, you know, with the historic building, we, I kind of, I found this couch. It's a mid-century modern thing. Stumbled across these chairs a little bit later. So I've kind of been going for that retro historic type thing. Yeah, for sure. And that, uh, when I finally found you, and then actually I didn't even, I found you on Instagram. And honestly, you don't post a lot of finished product on Instagram. Right. It's more in process. So I still didn't know for sure what you were doing. And then I saw your cards at Elemental. Mm -hmm. And that was where I was like, ha ha. <laughs> and then I found your website and all that kind of stuff. And when I saw the style of it, it yeah. I mean, I'm assuming you're very inspired by that sort of. It's all, yeah, I shoot for vaguely mid-century modern. Um, the pieces of the aesthetic that I like and I really try to draw from the most is that it uh, is not only professional, but very subtle to where I'm not, I'm trying not to design anything that's going to be the, the eye-catching thing in the room, mm -hmm. but I just want to help people lend an atmosphere of uh, just professional and like a little bit of class and quality right. to a room where like, you know, maybe they provide the, uh, their coffee table that's kind of like zany in their sort of way or, or their fabric pattern that really pops. But I want, I want to make furniture that won't kind of clash with, with anything but provide kind of a really nice air to the to the space. Well, and what I like about it is that I now have a turntable and a mm -hmm. receiver, you know, that I think it's from, it's like an Akai from 1980 yeah. or something like that. Um, but it's sitting on, you know, like an old writing desk mm -hmm. and then just got these tall speaker stands and then the records are just piled on the floor. That doesn't look very inviting. And then not only that, if you were to go <clears throat> to some furniture stores and shop for something to try and pull all that together, it just, I don't know. With yours, it, those pieces and the, the record storage, it, it kind of gives it that retro feel, too, that it might be something you would have used, you know, in the 60s to hold your records and have the record player sitting on. Absolutely. So it brings back that feel. And it allows you to have matching sets. One yeah, thing exactly, I'm always, yeah. uh, I want to say reminded of, but maybe it's just something I'm thinking about in the back of my head is, you know, my grandma's house where she had matching mm -hmm. furniture. Mm -hmm. And you just can't get that anymore. I've lived, I lived in a couple places in Chicago and just moved, bought a house here. And yeah, putting together a house is, it's kind of difficult. You know, it is like, difficult. It, and it's it usually is, done, and it's usually done piecemeal style. You know, you get, sure. you know, pieces here and there as yeah. the years go by. And yeah, a lot of times they're not going to match. Mm -hmm. Yeah, you can go into Mathis Brothers and buy those living room furniture sets that they're, they're essentially boring. You know, yeah. there's nothing fascinating about them. Yeah. And a friend of mine is, uh, has recently inherited a house in Heritage Hills. Mm -hmm. And along with it, some of her uh, grandfather's furniture that he purchased while he was overseas in the 40s. Oh, nice. And one of them was this complete set of six band bamboo furniture from the Philippines. Sure, yeah. And at first it didn't catch my eye until she started explaining to me this furniture. Because I don't... You know, I'm not typically looking at trying to become familiar with furniture, but everything in this room was that six banded design mm -hmm. from these little tiny magazine racks to uh, little shelves that you hang on the walls for tchotchkes. Mm -hmm. And it was all the same style, all handcrafted. Like, this is actually incredible piece yeah. of art, too. Yeah. It, it makes a space. And a lot of times, yeah, you don't really notice it at first. I, I, I love the subtlety and kind of design like that. It, well, it didn't stand out, but then it drew you in. Mm -hmm. And that was kind of what, like one of the first pieces of yours that 
drew my attention was uh, one of my recent acquisitions, like what John was saying, was a turntable. Mm-hmm. And I, I kick-started this thing called a floating vinyl turntable. It's made by a company called Gramavox. Mm-hmm. But the big deal is the platter is vertical. So you see the record spin, you nice. see the album. And it, so it's really low profile and it's kind of cool. And I'm waiting to bring it over here till I find the right place for it. Mm-hmm. And when I saw your, you had a, you have a series of like record storage stuff, like he was saying, you have one called The Weights, um, which I liked. I think all your record stuff are named after musicians. Yeah, like yeah. Tom Waits. Yes. Yeah. yeah. But it's cool because it had this little like sunken down part where I was like, I could, as soon as I saw it, I was like, I can see my turntable on there. Yeah. I don't really have enough records to put in there, but it's like, but it's ample storage for me to get stuff. Mm-hmm. And then as I started looking, I was like, oh, you have like credenzas and, and I'm looking for buffet pieces. And it started to kind of click with me as, like I said, I was looking for stuff for the couch and I've been looking and watching the Oki Mod Squad Facebook group mm-hmm. and searching Craigslist and finding these little pieces. I'm like, eh, that's kind of it, but not really. And that's kind of it, but not really. And that was something I, I didn't think about at first. When I saw all your pieces, like I immediately was like, okay, I can put the vine, I can put the weights over there yep. and then I can get that credenza to go over there and then I can get, oh, I don't even need that, but it would look great against sure. that wall. And that's fun. Well, that's like, and it was like fun. a month ago that I came in the studio's like, you've got to come here and see this. Like, what is it? This <laughs> furniture website, you got to come check this out. Yeah, yeah. I noticed the website views peaked to like two that day. <laughs> <laughs> that was us, we were all over yeah, it. Yeah, I was, I was so excited. <laughs> look at all this traffic. Yeah. But it also like, it, it's, it rung with me as I was reading your site and I started to, under because like I said, I've been seeing your Instagram mm-hmm. and like the process stuff, but I hadn't locked in on what you were doing right and so once i saw what you were doing i was just like oh this is awesome because mm-hmm. i've i used to work one of my early jobs was i worked for montgomery wards and we had a whole section that was the rta furniture section sure. like that's pretty much all they sold and so i've sold so much of that crap i've built so much of that crap through home and working for the university and all these other places and I immediately saw like oh yeah i would you know I see the difference in what you're mm-hmm. doing in terms of like not using a compressed particle board and like laminate covers yeah. versus what you're doing. And even like the toolkit that you include with it, I was like, that's so interesting. Cause I mean, describe that thing for me cause I'm going to do it injustice. No, for um, the main difference between Novello and steel and Ikea or other RTA stuff is most of them use what's called a cam lock system, mm-hmm. which is the peg and then the uh, screw that it, the head fits into and it tightens. Um, I, and then also in combination with the dowels, I use the dowels just to line up the panels and then have uh, pocket screws, which are just, I drill out holes and then um, it's just aligns a screw for you that okay. tightens the yeah. two panels together. It's a very traditional um, cabinet making process and um, Really, you can take it apart and put it back together, you know, a dozen times. It's it's never unless you really strip out your screws or mm-hmm. or do something. It's made to be able to like take apart and put back together. Um, so I do that, and that is really only possible with the uh, the the hardwood ply. With particle board, it would rip to shreds. Yeah. But but the nice hardwood plying quality materials is is perfectly strong. It's it's the stuff that. Um, Whenever you buy high-end cabinetry, it's the same stuff. Whenever right. you buy custom woodwork, a lot of it's going to be made out of this hardwood ply. Um, so yeah, so I think that's what really separates Novello and Steel. Um, I looked coming up with. Uh, it seems like such a simple little business concept, but it took so long to kind of yeah. for it to kind of like click. Well, to me, it's brilliant because you're like people are used to RTA furniture, mm-hmm. so that concept of having to buy something flat packed and put it together isn't going to deter anybody from buying your right. stuff. Right. But what you've done is you've you've basically said, instead of doing this weird cam lock, 
<clears throat> coming up with some mm -hmm. cheapo, easy way of putting pieces together. You just like, well, the actual process is so simple. If I just do this much of the work for you, then mm -hmm. the rest of it's just screw gun and or even a hand screwdriver. Yeah. And, and I, and I think the cam lock system is kind of a carryover from whenever they first started manufacturing uh, flat package RTA stuff. It was much more economical and easy to CNC the particle board um, because it's already finished. You don't have to then stain it and spray it. And then the particle board, the reaction to needing to use that as the material was the cam lock system. And I think it's just been carried over yeah. for, for, for years. And um, it's not really necessary at this point, or at least if you do it by hand. Right. Um, well, that's cool because then you've introduced a new concept of it's a handcrafted version of something that most people have the idea stuck in their head as mm -hmm. only something that, that's mass produced and cheap. You right. know? Yeah. Where on the other hand, you've made it a version of something that's handcrafted and of high mm -hmm. quality. Yeah. That's a cool concept. And, and, and hopefully designed in such a way that it'll fit in kind of anybody's home and, you know, yeah. not, not look like Mathis brothers. Right. Well, <laughs> how did you, how did you get to this point of designing and building your own furniture? Um, well, it, uh, took a long time. Like mm -hmm. I said, it was, um, I want to say it was roundabout, but it wasn't, it was pretty direct, just painfully slow. Okay. Um, I was in Chicago. I had moved to Chicago to get my master's of architecture. And after I got that degree, I was living with a friend of mine from school. He was working at a, like a nice architecture firm there in the city, very typical, you know, building towers and apartment buildings. And I had gotten a job at a, uh, we called it a millwork company. It was really, we did cabinetry, but also we had a general contractor as a partner with our custom woodwork. So our bread and butter was building out bars and restaurants. So say whenever savings and loan opened, mm -hmm. they would have come to us and said, Hey, we okay. want to build a bar. And we could, we had our own, we had our general contractor, our own, uh, uh, subcontractors. And we say, cool, we can come in, we can do all the custom cabinetry. We can make your bar custom. We can do anything we want, um, all in one roof. And so from there, I kind of learned, I drew from the architecture just kind of to get a sense of what's popular, what's going on, um, historical design sentiments, um, and combined it with just pure economical building. Like we, we got jobs and I did all the, the shop drawings for that and me and the shop manager, we were like, how do we do this as high quality as possible but just knock it out as quick as we can? Right. <laughs> and so he's a master uh, artisan, you know, like a carpenter and he does phenomenal work, but at the same time, he's like, you can use this material and you can do this way and it will last 600 years, but it took us 12 minutes to do. And so it kind of... That's really cool. Yeah, so, it, so that like helped me get to that point. It kind of okay. planted all the seeds, gave me all the tools I needed, and it gave me a big wood shop to practice in after yeah. hours. Oh, nice. Um, which was phenomenal. And just having a shop manager uh. and other mill workers around. Um, well, like, are you doing like... CAD design on a computer that mm -hmm. then goes and cuts all the pieces out then? or uh, I did a CAD design that I printed out and handed to our mill workers and okay. they cut it out. And then we, they cut it up. Yeah, we didn't have any automation. It was okay. all by hand. Which so it was, was all uh, I grew up around tools and doing some you know minimal work, woodwork here and there, mm -hmm. but that was really nice doing uh, like high quality final products. At least being around it and getting comfortable with all of that. Um, but then over the course of about a year, my roommate and I, after work, we'd meet up and usually just go to like the local dive bar and get a beer sure. and just talk about 
how our jobs were different than we imagined they would be when they, you know, the normal oh, yeah. one year after graduation sort of stuff. And I can picture it right now in my oh, head. Absolutely. <laughs> just like, what did we do? And, <laughs> this isn't cool. Yeah. And we like bounced ideas around and, um, Finally, between the two of us, we came up with, there's got to be, um, you know, flat packaged furniture, but you could probably just use high quality materials. We could actually make it better. Um, there's got to be a better way. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. You know, they, I, I have uh, <laughs> an undergrad. I went to business school and, you know, they teach you time, quality, money, pick two. And I thought, yeah, they, they can't be right. <laughs> Surely there's, there's another way. And then there's, yeah, it's, I, I feel like I've, hit the mark in the middle as close to possible, right. as close as possible. But, uh, yeah, no, it just kind of evolved over about a year of beer talks mostly. <laughs> and sometimes uh, that's some of the best ideas happen. Yeah, absolutely. And so he's kind of my silent partner in this. Uh, okay. he helped me out, uh, you know, congeal the idea into something, uh, tangible. Um, and so we named our company after uh, our grandfathers. Mine was a woodworker and his was a, a pilot and just kind of a go-getter. Uh, both their last names, his grandfather's last name was Novello and my grandfather's last name is Steele. And so that's why oh, our wow. company is Novello <laughs> and Steele. <laughs> nice. Yeah. That's really cool. Yeah. So you had to bring, you brought that whole concept down to Oklahoma then mm -hmm. and then started producing here in Oklahoma City? Yeah. Yeah, uh, when I was still at that millwork company in Chicago, uh, Vero LLC, if anyone is building bars in Chicago, look them up. Vera LLC? Vero, yeah. Oh, Vero. Okay. Vero, yeah. Um, and so every morning, I would wake up a couple hours early, go to the coffee shop, and just kind of research furniture. You know, like We kind of had this idea, but I want to do a lot of market research. Just And then I built what I think... The thing I'm most proud of in Novello and Steel, not the furniture. It's all the Excel spreadsheets I have that like <laughs> oh. back up the, the the research portion of this. I have it. I have these things priced to a T, and I had to do that um, beforehand just to make sure that any of this was even viable. Right. And so I would price out. I would do my um, designs, draw the CAD, how I would cut them out of sheet, uh, uh, cut them out of a sheet of plywood, price the plywood, price all the pieces. Um, with my job, I was talking to suppliers anyway all the time. So uh. I would just say like, oh, by the way, how much is this thing? Or like, can you send me a couple samples of uh, these cam locks or these screws? At first I was using cam locks um, whenever I was first on my early prototypes. Was but, that just something that you thought if I'm making flat package, I'm obviously going to be using cam locks because that's the yeah. way that it's done. Yeah, it, I was not thinking about it and it right. wasn't until I realized how hard they were to use. I just thought I should just use pocket screws. And then then like three days later, I was like, wait, no, I, I should, should just use pocket, use pocket screws. screws. <laughs> There's no reason not to. Um, but yeah, so for about six months while I was still at that job, I was making sure that this was viable. Um, all the while, uh, my buddy Chris, my roommate, and I were talking about how we were just kind of, you know, we had no vacation days, mm -hmm. you know, just working 40 hours a week. We could just, we could tell you our schedule for the next 40 years based on this. And, exactly. and so in the back of my mind, I was like, man, I turned job security. Yeah, job. Yeah, I was like, yes, this is great. I never want to quit and move across the country. <laughs> Uh, and yet here, and yet I did. And you did. <laughs> um, yeah, so I was mulling over. There's got to be a way to work for myself, manage my own time. Maybe I won't get rich, but slowly pay off my student loans and yeah. afford to work from the road. And so some way I could work remotely at least part of the year. Um, and then it all kind of came to fruition 
I made the mistake of looking at housing costs in Oklahoma City. Yep, yep. Mm-hmm. And then, and then, like what started as like a little itch, like was just unbearable, and I just bit the bullet. And what neighborhood did you choose? It's a uh, Crestwood. Okay. Yeah. Where is that? Uh, it's just north of uh, 16th and Miller, basically. It's like oh, north okay. of Plaza, right? Kinda yeah, just uh, it's west of Plaza, west about a mile. Yes. Okay. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah, it's it's closer to May. I think that's where Charles Martin lives. If he's listening, he can tell us. Yeah, yeah, probably not. Yeah, jump on in, Charles. <laughs> <laughs> just happens to be one of the people watching. <laughs> the comment is one of the two. The comment is just yes, yes, I do. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you for yeah. both of you joining in. Um, yeah, so I think that's. Uh, I mean, I'm sure I missed stuff, but that was kind of the uh, the roundabout synthesis of Novello and Steel. So then, what, where are you producing? the furniture right now do, do you have did you find a shop it's uh i found a, my house has a detached two-car garage that i converted into okay. a wood shop i built out as very nice I, I, I spent months trying to make it uh design it as efficiently as possible i had all my tools and stuff that i had bought on craigslist or beforehand piled up in the middle just like i can't do this wrong and i and i just like, <laughs> agonized over it and then and it was 110 degrees. It was about this time last year, and yeah. finally I knocked together a table, and it's been it's been really good. It's this, it's, if 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 my woodshop was one foot larger in either direction, though, I'd be very very happy. Okay, so we were talking earlier about um, your your lack of using social media and how much you don't really like it all that much. What are you doing to get the word out about your? Friend? I know Stephen was saying your cards are over like uh, elemental, but is yeah. that just kind of um, word of mouth then, or? Word of mouth, um, really, and I guess I should say, I worked full-time here in Oklahoma City up until about a month ago. And so I was mostly developing this furn- uh, furniture and Novello and Steel stuff in my off time. So I really only oh, okay. started promoting my stuff about a like I, I did what I called trickle promoting, which was I did Instagram for a while and just a little bit of word of mouth. I printed out some flyers and some business cards early on and left them around town. Mm-hmm. Um, and and I say all that like it's in the past. I really haven't moved on from that. Okay. Um, I, I've got a few things in the works, but mostly right now it's word of mouth. Um, and you've got a website. Yep. My, my website, I definitely made sure was as fleshed out as I could. Uh, yeah, it looks great. Thank I you. Mean, and that's what I, it was, that was sort of the experience I had with you. Like I said, it's like I started to f- see it mm-hmm. and then I discovered more. And then finally, when I got the card, I, n- I don't know why I just never thought to just, it's probably in your Instagram profile, but I never thought to just Google it. I hope it is. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> but when I land on the website and I finally saw like the explanations mm-hmm. and then the, the different models and stuff that you designed, I felt like I'd finally discovered like, ah, this is the thing I've been looking for <laughs> for a while. So I think that's a really actually, it, some people would probably argue with this, but I actually think it's a really interesting way to market, especially if you're doing all this by yourself in your garage. I mean, it's not like you could handle it if all of a sudden you had 10,000 orders of weights right. cabinets. Like, yeah, like, absolutely. Oh. I mean, it'd be great, I'm sure, but yeah, I would you'd be say like, oh shit for a second. This two-week wait time I tell you about is like definitely going to change. Yeah. yeah. Like we're now in a two-year wait time <laughs> yeah. unless yeah. I can hire a bunch of people and train them and yeah, absolutely. Them, but. And squeeze them all into my 20 by 20 wood <laughs> right. shop at the same time. So you, so you box all the pieces up yourself into a cardboard box? Yeah, and absolutely. I, I do everything from the initial sketches of the piece of furniture to writing, printing the instructions, boxing it, Holy taking cow. it to UPS. So I have, a, I have a room of my house which is dedicated to uh, packing. 
It's full of uh, three different sizes of cardboard boxes, which are by far like the, the most. It was crazy expensive. Yeah. Like I had no idea how expensive cardboard was. Um, and so that, 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 that's like my, I've, I have glass lamps and other stuff in my house that I don't want to knock over, but like, I really don't want to knock over my cardboard boxes. <laughs> like these, these sheets of cardboard are like, when my friends, when my friends come over, they have like a beer. I'm like, Hey, just <laughs> look in that room. Just don't go in there. It's fine. Broken into and your friends are like, Oh, nothing's gone. You're like, they took the cardboard. Yeah. He, they, <laughs> that crackhead needed 42 <laughs> by 24 by five inch boxes. <laughs> Does he know how expensive custom boxes are? That's exactly like to think a crackhead would yeah. want. Yeah. <laughs> like pushing aside the TV and <laughs> like, ugh, it's old, but those, that cardboard looks new and unused. What also really strikes me about your stuff, too, is like I said, I've been shopping. So I've been looking at vintage pieces. I've been looking at like new mm -hmm. vintage style pieces. And price wise, you're really like right on the money. Like Thank I you. felt like when I looked at it, I was like, I based on everything I've seen, that's what that's worth. It's probably worth in my mind a little more because mm -hmm. once I understood what, like what you're saying, yeah, I know I have to assemble it. But, you know, the, the benefit of that is shipping ultimately right transportation of that mm -hmm. piece i don't then have to like you know go line up three of my friends and borrow a truck to go across town right. to talk to that guy from craigslist to then lift this giant hardwood mm -hmm. credenza piece from night like, then the starter on the truck couch. goes out yeah, yeah. Like, we moved this couch it was like i was so nervous because i spent money on this <laughs> couch and it was original and i was just like Oh God, we got to take it up the flight of stairs, and I don't want to. Do it. Yeah, we started looking at what can we take off the couch without damaging it. Like, oh, good, the legs come off, mm -hmm. and they unscrew. But so to have something that has that level of quality, but then is also easily transportable, even if you're not shipping, even if I were buying it from you, and I just yeah. like came over to your house and picked it up sure. and trucked it back over here, I could probably put some of that stuff in my car. I have a hatchback that I can. Oh, a bunch I have of a CRV, and I take boxes of it yeah. to the UPS. Yeah. Yeah, so I mean, perfect. I mean, I just think it's really, to me, when I saw it, I was like, why has nobody thought to do well, that's quality RTA furniture? That's what baffled before. me when you were showing it to me. I was mm -hmm. like, why are you so excited yeah. about Ikea furniture? Right. right. But then when you told me <laughs> the that's whole what story. I for. That's, yeah, that's, 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 the, <laughs> yeah. that's the ideal reaction. It's like, Ugh. what? <laughs> yeah, but like, that's exactly right. <laughs> you, you do all this out of your home. You designed it all yourself. You, you manufactured it all yourself. Yeah. You, back, you box it all up yourself. It's... I think that was why, because even when I was like, yeah, we're going to get him on the show, they were just kind of like, what? Why do we talk about it? Why are we going to get I was like, no, no, it's like exactly it, what we talk it's about. It's, it, there's kind of, you know, a, a big movement of doing things locally and, and mm -hmm. supporting local businesses. And just the fact that we've come so far now that we have someone like you who produces beautiful looking furniture that also works as art mm -hmm. and has a, you know, kind of a, a, a modern feel to it, a retro feel to it. Yeah. It's feel special. Like this is very special furniture. It's going to have a story behind it. It's, you know, when you walk in and, and somebody comes in your living room or, or whatever, like, what is that? Yeah. And it's like, is, yeah, this isn't, this isn't my special stuff. I got at Ikea down in Dallas. There's right. Yeah. There's and, more to it. And I'm super flattered to hear that. That, that. that sounds, that's kind of exactly what I've, what excited me at the beginning, even though I think sometimes I get bogged down in like the, 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 the mundane like to-do list, but no, that is what kind of excited well, me about this whole thing in the beginning. Obviously means that there will be other people having to also overcome that idea when they hear it initially. Mm -hmm. Like, oh, I didn't, oh, I didn't understand what you were talking yeah. about. Okay, this is kind of cool. 
Yeah, and that's one of the things I put together my website and just going back to the marketing. I'm then say the say your website. Oh, uh, novellosteel.com. Spell it. N o v e l l o s t e e l e dot com. Perfect. Yeah. Um, just a uh, novello is Italian. I don't know what steel is. I don't know what my own <laughs> grandfather's last name is. Yeah, it's, yeah. Like, uh, it's probably a German. Yeah, probably. S t e e l is American. S t e e l e. It's just fancy because they yeah, got the extra fancy. letters. Yeah, it's like Remington steel. <laughs> so, do you do, um, do you do any other kind of artwork or any other creative endeavors that? Because what you're doing is well, not enough, is what he's saying. Right? Yeah. Uh, no. <laughs> well, what I'm thinking, somebody like you, like there's always there's always some other outlet or some yeah. other thing you're doing, or maybe you're like I, so going back to film. The mm -hmm. other, you know, I may do this podcast, mm -hmm. but the other thing I like to do is study film by watching lots of movies. And David Lynch is, you know, a great director, but he doesn't just direct. Like when he wants furniture built for his set, he goes and he fucking builds it. He so should he, just go to Novello Steel. He could yeah. just go yeah. to Novello Steel. Like, I'm probably going to see David tomorrow. Yeah. I'll let him know. Yeah, David, <laughs> if you're watching. Yeah, yeah. Um, is there anything else that you do that you use to help incorporate ideas into your furniture? Uh, well, I, I just sent my first short story off to publisher. There we go. Um, Holy shit, really? Yeah, I, I'm... Pretty, and I don't use this word lightly, but I'm pretty stoked about it. Nice. <laughs> yeah. Tell us a little bit about it. Um, it's, it's kind of, this will sound like a bad thing. Okay. It's meandering and pointless. Okay. Um, Do you know how many novels are, I just, I just read uh, <laughs> Sutri and that's all that is. Or, yeah, for sure. Or Ulysses I mean, or what oh, is, what is the Ulysses book? Um, the, the Odyssey? No. James it's Joyce. James Joyce. Joyce. Finnegan's oh. Wake, the, yeah, the yeah, dream yeah. sequence. Or, uh, yeah. Yeah. Um, ugh. <laughs> I've tried so many. I have, I've you listened well, to Finnegan's Wake. Let's not compare your story yeah, to yeah, this. Sure. Let's Dick. <laughs> While we're on the subject of commonly known as the greatest authors of all time, let me tell you <laughs> about my short story. story. <laughs> just, just so you guys. Um, let's, we're just setting you up for failure. Yeah. That's what we're here for. You know, as if I couldn't do that myself. <laughs> <laughs> we all need a hand. Yeah. We all need someone to push us over the edge. Um, it is... Um, it's set in Chicago, mm -hmm. uh, very similar to, it, it, it's trying to be a synopsis of a lot of just, kind of like what I was explaining earlier, post-graduation existential crisis. So okay. Like very typical angst sort of stuff. It follows uh, the main character, for all intents and purposes, me, right. for one day, um, kind of oscillating between worrying about having to like finish his resume and apply to architecture firms and then oscillating from there back to like just saying, screw it, I just want to relax with my friends. Like, is it really worth the stress? Who knows? Maybe it is in the future. Um, it's all about just how stress builds up and you have to just eventually just kind of let it go. Let it go. Um, it's called uh, the first storms of spring and essentially that's just a metaphor because uh, in Chicago, there's a lot of trash that just like sticks to the fences and right. like and the underpasses. Like there's just garbage in the streets. <laughs> it's it's an it's an amazing city. I love it. It's also a garbage city. Okay. Um, and you can always tell the storm's about to come because all the the trash is like dislodged from the fences, just like blowing Blown like around. a tumbleweeds because the winds have shifted and it just kind of cleans itself. And so 
I'm just trying in, you know, some like artsy fartsy, like James Joyce sort of way, like saying, you know, your stress builds up and either you're going to be covered in just shit, shit or yeah. like you have to like release it. You know, I like that. The, the winds metaphor, change just and like the, you the get detritus awesome. of life getting blown around through the streets yeah, of the city. Absolutely. <laughs> well, so, so you've been writing for quite some time then just like as a hobby and in your spare time? Um, I've always been an avid reader uh-huh. and a few, I say a few now, it's been like almost five years ago, four or five years ago. Um, I went to India for a month for a school trip. Okay. And um, that's always a life changing experience. Oh, it was great. Yeah. It, it was uh, beautiful. It was, it was the most life changing thing about it was you realize how people are exactly the same yes. everywhere. <laughs> like people don't change. Everyone's like, "What are the people like?" I'm like, "Just like, like you." Just like yeah. <laughs> they ask me the same question. Like, it's fine. Um, but whenever I got back, I guess the second most life changing thing was we had to write an essay to justify our time spent on like this class trip. Okay. And so I said, "Well, can I just write a short story instead?" And, and they said yes, and I wrote this outline, and I just thought, holy shit, I really, you know, not, I really enjoyed doing this. And so I started working oh, on a cool. novel about it, a uh, very similar sort of way. It's just kind of my experiences there. Um, not a travel book, I always have to preface that, but uh, I want to put the reader in the, in, the, in, the, in the eyes of someone seeing a new place for the first time. And so the narrative kind of changes both from beginning to end, but also day to night. Like in the mornings, you're super observational, but by night it gets kind of dreamy and everything mm-hmm. gets blurred. Um, I don't want to get into that. But anyway, so I, um, I've i got about two-thirds of the way through that, and then I thought, holy crap, I have no idea how to like finish or like to edit this or to how, how to like summarize what I'm trying to do and make sure the whole book does that. And now this thing's massive. And so I said, I really need to just table this and practice with something smaller. Okay. And so then I came, then I kind of came up with this uh, Chicago book idea, and um, it was it was a practice that I really enjoyed. So you, you said you found a publisher that it, it will be published, or no? Are you just I, I found it? a publisher to email it to, to email it to. <laughs> okay. Yeah, so right. it, it, I don't I'm, I don't want to say I'm a published author, right? But I'm, I've certainly emailed a publisher. <laughs> well, this would be a good time to... Well, <laughs> well, we brought up Charles Martin earlier. I mean, there's, there, there are some several up-and-coming um, publishing houses here in the city. Mm-hmm. Probably one that you would fit best would be um, Literati Press by yep. Charles Martin up in Paseo, or Paseo Plunge, if you haven't heard of him yet. I haven't. I'll okay. definitely check it. Yeah, we've, really already, we already, we've already connected another author, another local author with him. This is perfect. Shelby yeah. Simpson wrote a, a travelogue that... Uh, mm-hmm. I introduced those two. He purchased some copies of her book, and I think he's already sold two or three copies of her book. And we've nice. already gotten responses yeah. from people listening to our podcast yeah. about her that went to Paseo Plunge so and bought the that book. That would be that. a great start. Another, oh, that's very cool. You know, I, I would like to, one of my dreams here in the city is, is to kind of see like a writer's circle to coalesce, and it seems like that's happening around mm-hmm. Charles and the Paseo Plunge, along with some other some other outliers being a Shelby Simpson's Drunk Publishing, and then you know, a friend of ours in the PR industry, Tracy Zeke. Nice. He's publishing a children's book with, I can't remember the name of her publisher. Uh, Another local guy. Pen- Penny. Penny. Uh, 
Penny Candy. Penny Candy. Penny Candy. Yeah. Well, I think it's totally doable. Um, publishing is another one of the industries kind of getting back to uh, like RTA furniture and stuff. Mm-hmm. So that, doing, your, doing things yourself locally with local yeah. resources, local people. And it's completely viable now. I, I think we had kind of relied on big publishers for a very long time. And they certainly have their place. Like Penguin Books is an institution and a lot but of other publishers is, yeah. are like um, – but yeah, no, publishing is something that you can do in lower volume, locally, and like super high quality. And, and like yeah. people yeah, they, are absolutely mm-hmm. starting to do it. It's, it's phenomenal. Absolutely. And then I also like this idea that I could go and buy one of your desks and then sit at it and read a there story. You yeah, and what you that. should do is take all of the wood shavings from your wood and compress <laughs> it into paper oh, yeah. that these books can be printed on. Yeah. Well, we this out. <laughs> All right, so I noticed that you, you being a you being a designer, you clearly have a sketchbook here. Oh yeah, oh, yeah but I'm, I'm not going to ask to see inside your sketchbook. But there's a New York Times bestseller under it. Oh, it's uh, it's even worse than it looks. Strike through was <laughs> it's even by worse Thomas Mann. Yeah, and it's, um, what is that? It's about the divisiveness in uh, political parties right now. Ah, uh, oh, there's a divisiveness. In it's uh, just it's in its early stages. <laughs> Uh, there, I, there was. Stages. I think there was a disagreement three months ago, and I think <laughs> I remember this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm not. I haven't really passed the preface yet, but I assume that that's what this book is about. <laughs> yeah, that yeah. that will be the beat of it. Yeah. Um, in grad school, I, I went through a very striking West Wing phase. Okay. And then I oh, thought yeah. this politics stuff. Yeah. It seems. What about Ayn Rand? Did you hit that? Did you hit that Ayn Rand phase at all? You know, I did. I, I read um, Atlas Shrugged. Yeah. All the, but the last ten pages. And that was like me. I actually <laughs> yeah. threw it. I think the last sixty pages. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, it was fine. It was repetitive and well, well, sixty pages of John Galt's speech is a little excessive. But. Yeah. Like once they once they rescue John Galt, you're like, all right, I'm done. Just mm-hmm. get the book away from oh, me. Oh, he got rescued. <laughs> yeah, spoilers. Shit, you gave yeah. it away. <laughs> See, if anyone else going to complain to me that I spoiled an 1100 page book that they mm-hmm. probably won't get to the first 10 pages of, come come see me. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, you know, like little Ayn Rand. I, politics to me is most interesting in like at what levels you can actually accomplish stuff. Like largely, it's just bickering, and that's right. that is what it is, and everybody knows it, but everyone falls into it as well. You're exactly and so, right. Yeah, uh, in Chicago, politics was daunting, but ever since I moved here about a year ago, I've just kind of started thinking like maybe stuff can get done. I don't know. Oklahoma's well, so sort of like small big, enough, bickering maybe. about politics uh, on a national level is oh, yeah. fucking retarded. Oh, and absolutely. I, I don't understand why people allow so much of their emotions to get wrapped up into it because it's. Utterly pointless. You should just slit your wrists. Yeah, but, but, but to come down to like some intense are, feelings on this matter, advocating to, to come down to, do it, to bring do it down to a, to a local level, like you know, to go to you know um, different meetings, or different council meetings, mm-hmm. or you know, to be on different boards or whatever to affect things locally is really where it comes in, and then it becomes an issue not of politics but of of relationships and people. Yeah. Politics is something that those assholes in Washington use to. You know, well, I mean, when it comes down to it, most of the things that people like identify as like, well, if we had better leadership and politics, I mean, there are some things that are heavily affected, like education and whatnot. But like, for example, and I I know to a certain extent I joined in on this, but like when the Maybridge thing collapsed, it came out of a time it was like, Fallon, like, like, well, you know, actually, she's so far beyond that. 
You really should be pointing a finger at somebody else. That, that, yeah. That's, that's, when that's was where the last city time managers Mary Fallon put on her hard hat and inspected right, our bridges. Right, exactly. We should be out now. Sure, yeah. I'm sure that yeah. whoever was responsible for that is underneath her somewhere in the grand scheme of things. Sure. So sure, she could have, I guess, like been better at. But that, well, that's why I look forward to there. There's a, a book that I came across recently that I'm really looking forward to getting into and hopefully doing a show about. But it was written in the 1930s by yeah. an ex Oklahoma City city manager okay and the book is called and the devil came oh and satan, satan. came also is the name of this book All about right. oklahoma city i wish you had politics. it i wish sure. I could show. It, has, it has a fantastic cover yeah like, just say like i don't i don't think like, of that it's like one of those like sort of 50s era cartoon satan's like walking through the skyline kind of but it thing. just right. it really delves into the nitty-gritty of of uh, all the people that helped found Oklahoma City and Oklahoma County cool. and definitely gonna have to and it's not out. just it's it's not just pretty stories of people can you know glad handing themselves and saying this person achieved this and he mm -hmm. was wonderful for it it really gets down into like the backstabbing and the underhanded trading and the yeah. payoffs and stuff like that well that's why you get into politics in the first right. place I'm and sure. this just uncovers all of that yeah, that's great but from you know, 1889 to like 1935 is the era it covers mm -hmm. Oh, Something man, that cool. largely none of us know anything about. Um, another similar book, a slightly later timeline, is uh, called The Parties Versus the People, How to Turn Republicans and Democrats into Americans, uh, written by former Congressman Mickey Edwards, actually of the Oklahoma, Oklahoma City. I mm, think maybe, maybe his district was just north of here. Mm. Uh, but he was an Oklahoma congressman from, uh, I think the 70s to the 90s, maybe late 60s to the 90s. The name sounds familiar. Um, he's great. He did a TED Talk by the same title. Uh, if you just have like seven minutes, like it's, it's a really phenomenal yeah. TED Talk. Um, he, his story is pretty simple. Like he was in Congress for 30 plus years. Uh, by the end of it, he was like really just disgruntled and fed up with the system, but like sure angsty, but also just not really sure why. And it wasn't until he retired and started teaching and talking to other like political historians that he kind of like put all the pieces together. Um, and then he kind of wrote this book on, I don't want to say how the system was rigged, but like how people in power have enacted laws and bills to like keep themselves in power right, right. over time. Mm -hmm. um, and not even like, it's not a big conspiracy. It's just kind of the natural well, he progression He himself was in Congress for 30 years. Yeah, absolutely. And, um, and he like completely, like, he's really good at being, you know, making fun of himself through the whole thing. Yeah. Um, but it's a phenomenal read. I recommend it for anyone who's upset by partisan politics. And I think it was written back in 04, maybe even mm -hmm. before, um, like it was before even the, the 08 election. And he had another good book called Reclaiming Conservatism, which uh, was written probably 2000. 10? I could be getting these like dates way yeah. off. Wait, it's fine. We, I'm not even we, sure he exists. Sometimes we just make shit up. So yeah. there are two people on Facebook that I'm going to have to apologize to later. <laughs> right? Are you going to apologize to them right now or three? Now? <laughs> Holy shit, three! I'm very sorry. One of them I think has been here for quite a while. So I'm curious. Good. I'm curious who that is. Well, if anybody on Facebook has a question, yeah. go ahead Thanks and shoot it to in. us. Yeah. Make a comment, whoever you are. Yeah. Um, <laughs> 
No, now they're still not just down to now. <laughs> Again, it's that one. I'm curious what it is. But that, they we got did, stage fright and We did yes. um, a little bit of research a while back and reading into um, the time of the, the oil bust. Sure. And a lot of the interplay in politics that occurred since then and certain players that were involved mm -hmm. that are actually still here now, now still a very active part yeah. of Oklahoma City politics, but were also a very active part in the demise you know, and kind of orchestrating mm -hmm. all of the terrible financial decisions and the collapse that occurred, um, mm -hmm. you know, at the end of the oil boom. And that was a lot of interesting history yeah. that most people don't know about. Yeah, I would unless you take the initiative to go sure. and read it. In fact, I mean, remembering part of the preface that I read in this book and the and Satan came also and some of the guys who came down here and started to help form these little political parties came out of Chicago. So they're fine, upstanding, like not gangster, not gangster. at all. <laughs> they're not bringing any Canadian whiskey into it. Yeah, it's not gangster esque. <laughs> so I think what kind of I think what ends up happening in this book what kind of like coalesces two groups of people these mm -hmm. these fellows who came down from Chicago and then some other groups of men from from Kansas and Nebraska and it kind of ended up being like a group of conservatives versus a group of liberals. Sure. And as we all know, with the way Oklahoma City is, the conservative gentlemen kind of won out almost every time. How that yeah. is, I don't know. That's what I've yet to read to see how that played out. Yeah, it's, um, I, then I would highly recommend the uh, Reclaiming Conservatism. Reclaiming uh, Conservatism. It's, it's a phenomenal critique of the uh, conservative party today. Um, and it That's goes on to th Those two, those would be great companion books because one of them gives you the story, the history of how yeah. it started yeah. and then it gives you a very clear picture of what's going on now. Maybe we'll have to read both of those for our Christmas episode. <laughs> that would be great, yeah. That uh, sounds no. festive. I don't think more than Very, anything. very festive. Yeah. Gather around the fire, kids. <laughs> Get ready don't for that. this eight-hour Yule log of a podcast. <laughs> yeah. I don't want to see any tears. Oklahoma City conservatism. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. I do like the, the cat has now taken up behind your head here, Stephen. It looks very cozy. Looks very staged. Yeah, what it is. Yeah. It does look very, like yeah, if you're watching something. this, it does seem kind of staged yeah. to have the cat back there. Yeah, you guys have done really well for yes. your first video. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Okay. Thank you very much. <laughs> Especially yeah, you know, coming in so everybody can see my you know nice white chicken legs and you know. You know, if Angus Young did it for ACDC, yeah, like, that's true. You can yeah. do it too. Yeah, yeah, but I do not. I do not have any kind of talent <laughs> where that guy is. It's easier to have skinny white legs when you can play guitar like that. That's yeah, probably <laughs> true. So you know you don't you don't have a social media presence you or did you, you Instagram. Instagram? Yeah, Instagram? I have Instagram. Well, let's um, hit that up again. What how do we find you on Instagram? It's uh, at Novello Steel. Okay. Um, it's it's kind of an experiment and a work in progress. I started it out um, and like you mentioned before, it's really not a ton of pictures of finished products. Yeah. Um, I haven't quite broken the boundary to where I feel comfortable like making actual ads and putting it out there. Right. Um, but I really like the idea from the beginning, I've tried to do this, I don't think completely successfully, but I've tried to make it kind of a behind the scenes on what it, what goes into putting, like making your own small business. Right. And so it kind of follows from the beginning of, you know, like the few hours before work I was talking about with like the, like the loose sketches and stuff, kind of some different ideas mm -hmm. for, uh, you know, end tables and different cabinets. And then, you know, I think at one point I show a picture of my wallet that's open and there's $1 and a bunch of receipts in there. <laughs> yeah, and right. I'm like, and it's just kind of, 
I had this lofty goal of peeling the dreamy veil of Instagram, and and I think I just ended up with crappy pictures, like all in a grid. I love, I love the dreamy veil of yeah, Instagram. Yeah, 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 and then it turns out it's like it's it's just me, it's just frustration like, and curse words. And yeah, yeah, absolutely, and it's. I don't know if there's enough curse words and frustration that really goes into like putting together <laughs> no, cities. I was thinking you have a lot more followers. We got a list, <laughs> yeah, right? Um, so, so yeah, it it exists, and that's my Instagram's largest success at this point. Is that it exists? Yeah, I, I it's there, and I've uploaded photos and videos. And well, that's something. I mean, I could say from a standpoint of like even with this podcast, mm-hmm. and then again with the network that we're going, and even with this space and myself, like when you're actively trying to build something like a, a mm-hmm. business or a company or a creative endeavor, like if you have a lot of time for social media then I feel like you might be doing something a little wrong on the other side, mm-hmm. like, because you should be too busy for social media because you're a little bit. Your yeah. Right. yeah. I mean, yeah. and if, and hopefully what that means is that what translates into you eventually get so busy and you get successful that you just hire somebody to handle your social oh, media for, for sure. you. And that's the point where you start really throwing ads yeah. and, and doing that kind of yeah, stuff. It is, it is, Contrary to what a lot of advice I've gotten from people, like the the social media is so far down on my list of priorities that yeah, it's, it's right. like barely there. Yeah, um, I'm like, oh crap! I have an Instagram, and you're like, here's a piece of plywood, and like I snap yeah. a picture and upload it. And <laughs> I learned how hashtags work at one point, and I was very thrilled. Yeah. Um, honestly, I mean, the biggest part is not necessarily social media, but just website building. Yeah, that was fascinating, but also extremely necessary. Like, that is extremely it's, it's necessary. Like, it's like a, way before social media ever oh, would be. Absolutely. I mean, it's basically like the hinge pin in like mm-hmm. my RTA like stuff. I'm not gonna, you know, like if you right. buy it, you're just gonna come over and and pick up your furniture, or I'll like bring it over here or something. Right. But, but because otherwise, like, the other option would be like making a catalog and then mailing the right. printing yeah. and mailing yeah, those. Yeah. And, yeah. I don't think anyone does do that. Like right here. Yeah, right, right, exactly. Hey, who wants a catalog? Um, are you in the phone book? I, I, yeah, yeah. The, I guess catalog. All right my here. money on phone book advertisements. <laughs> I have a five page spread in up. the yellow books. <laughs> You're going to have to change it into to AAA novellos still. So, <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, get diving into um, SEO and just how to dis- like can kind of design a decent looking website pretty easily, but just how to do it where it also functions well and shows right. up on Google. Exactly. And yeah. it is insanely technical. And you know, I thought I learned HTML when I was in middle school mm-hmm. and I thought I was like kind of hot shit because <laughs> I had at one point, no joke, designed a website where all the text just constantly scrolled yes. across the screen. I, right. that, I did yeah. that too, but I also put fire under it. Oh, and then when you scrolled over, they changed colors. About the internet. Yeah. All I know is that my, my GeoCity site was on <laughs> GeoCity. It was on fleet. Yeah. Oh. Was on fleet. I, I just well, not back then. It was all that in a bag of chips at <laughs> yeah. the time. Right. We used to be able to write HTML code back on your old MySpace page. Oh, yeah. Um, and, and none of that's applicable. Nope. Turns out. <laughs> nope. Not at all. Um, I have been toying around with, and kind of like back to the point of like how much time I have, like one of these days when I have time, I want to put like a button on my website, uh, you know, it says like furniture, books, records, and it's just going to say 1995. <laughs> And you click it, and it'll have an animated background, and all the text is going to be that wavy font. I love it. 
and like somebody like email me and it has like this little envelope that rotates right. or the, the mailbox that opens up oh, yeah. and the envelope comes in and out yeah and it's gonna have this MIDI player on the side that you have to pause but it loads so slowly you can't pause it for a while I got a three and a half inch floppy that I want to give you I want to yeah. I want to donate my stuff to you too to put on there you know uh, donations welcome donations. To <laughs> Steel. I'm gonna uh, donate to you my old code yeah yeah please do <laughs> I'm just kind of like it basically adds a marquee function to every piece of script on that on the website nice talk about um, going retro yeah and, and and not to like further go down this rabbit hole but when I was in grad school I was looking for a thesis to work on and they give you time to dick around with a uh -huh. bunch of ideas and one thing I stumbled upon I think it's called retro cities Rio cities basically it's a couple people bought the rights to all of the old GeoCities websites. No right. GeoCities and Tripod, like yep. just to the raw data and like the, what the an cache files. Thing to do. And they yeah. have uploaded that, uploaded it, but it's um it's not searchable because of how the files were set up. But you can go into and I completely forgot this, but GeoCities was separated in different cities. There was like a right. tech city and like an entertainment city and mm -hmm. that's what your website was like that was right. in the I remember oh. that when you signed up you had to decide yeah. which what city you were which in. city which I think back then was actually a clever way for them to decide which server you were going to end up on. Oh, absolutely. Because we yeah. didn't have cloud and you know distributed processing stuff like that mm -hmm. back then. This was like, well we need a way to balance this load, so let's yeah. let's do it this way, make it user selectable. Which was a great idea. And yeah. now you can just click on the city and it's just a file dump. Cool. Yeah. And it's just like file 0000000001, 000 and each one is a different website cache. So you basically get like yeah. random glimpses into what was it like 89 to 95 or something like that. I think there's actually a site, and I'm going to get this wrong, and so hopefully somebody knows, but I think it's called like the Internet Time Machine or something along yeah, those yeah, lines. Yes, yeah, yeah. where it that's, actually that's did, basically has been caching yeah. the internet for like decades, and you can actually go back and be like, oh, you can go to, you know, what did Google look like in 2000? Yep. Or what did or what was the news on CNN on my 21st right. birthday? Yeah. Yeah. Wait, uh, is that around then? <laughs> <laughs> the internet uh, around on your 21st birthday? Was it? I hope yeah, not. I guess it was. <laughs> That'd be a good Google. Uh, but yeah, no, it's fascinating stuff, and I couldn't figure out a good project to do with it. But I just thought that was just such an interesting, just wealth of information, you know, like useless information, uh, just like a weird glimpse into like, the past. Yeah. Um, but so that's my, you know, GeoCities yeah. rabbit hole. That's the awesome. GeoCities rabbit hole. Yeah, yeah. So Novello Steel or mm -hmm. at Novello Steel's Instagram yep. web, website may be the most important because if you want to buy some of this awesome stuff, and you should. that's where you should do it. So that's NovelloSteel.com. N-O-V-E-L-L-O-S-T-E-E-L. -E -E you should see yeah. some of it someday streaming here. Yeah. So I'm going to start buying some stuff and <laughs> I will I will use my social media. I'll take a bunch of pictures and put right. it out there for I'm you. I'm glad somebody will. Yeah. <laughs> Um, yeah, no, absolutely. I make it everything by hand to order. So you order it, there's a two-week turnaround, and then I ship it out. That is awesome. Yeah. That is awesome. Yeah. And, and unless I'm flooded with orders, in which case I'll email and we'll work it right. out. But yeah, two weeks is has been pretty typical. I haven't missed that mark yet. That's not too bad. Yeah. yeah. Well, thank you so I've much spent for more being than two here. weeks looking for the <laughs> yeah, 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 exactly. <laughs> so, I mean, yeah. so we gotta gotta <laughs> share. It with I everybody. am a little. I am gonna say it's gonna be a little difficult to like get over my prime fix on like not getting it the next day. Or something. I know I, I've I've applied You're, for and been accepted to Amazon Handmade, so it won't no, be the two days shipping. Yeah, they just uh, rolled it out a few months ago. It's kind of their answer to Etsy. Uh, it won't be two. It won't be like the two-day prime stuff, but it, it'll be 
it's getting on Amazon is there's a ton of hoops to jump I'm through. Sure like they, is, yeah. they've got so much demand, they don't have to streamline anything. But once I wade through all of this, I'll be on Amazon. And so you'll nice. see it mixed in with the Prime and you'll think, like, how did that get there? And, right. and then you'll click the Prime only. Right. And then, and then at that point, I hope you remember to go to my website. <laughs> this, is, this is the strategy I'm relying on since I'm not using much social media. drive yeah. traffic from Amazon <laughs> just straight to your website. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's not the smartest plan I've put into motion <laughs> here, but work. you know, yeah, it is. But yeah. Well, a, thank you for coming on. Yeah, yeah, thank you so much. Thank you, for thank you guys so much. Yeah. yeah, I had a blast. Please check out his furniture. Please do. It's awesome. Please. And thanks for number one staying on. Yeah, that. whoever you are. Whoever you are, we appreciate yeah. you. Thanks, mom. Thanks, mom. <laughs> yeah, thanks. As I say, it's we could probably like each take a guess at who that is, but we'll yeah. we'll leave that. We'll go off. We'll go off the podcast we'll, air. We'll stay yeah. streaming for a minute. And we'll talk to that. Person it might be Chelsea Cope just streaming from the <laughs> yeah, yeah, right. yeah. Is that you, Chelsea? <laughs> we'll see you guys next week. Right. See you later. Thanks, everybody. You've been listening to the Wafty Show with Stephen, Aaron, and John. As always, we need to thank Joshua Path for the use of our theme song "Cement Truck" off the album "Between Heaven and Jonestown," recorded by the magnificent Kurt PR. Kurt's, Kurt's awesome. awesome. That is available on iTunes, CD Baby, and anywhere the internet can be found. Remember, as you go out to visit our local places and events, make sure you take care of those who take care of you. Tip your waiters, waitresses, bartenders, musicians, and artists—they're out there working hard for you. We come out with a new episode every Monday. You can find us on iTunes by searching We Apologize for the Inconvenience, where you can subscribe, rate, and comment. You can find us on Twitter and Instagram at Wafty Show. Facebook.com slash Wafty Show. We'll see you next week. Woo! I'll be free. Yes.